Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts him down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Today we have one of the stars of the hit show, Wu-Tang, and American drama on FX, Sadiq Saunderson. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm all right, man. So are you excited about the way the show has been received by all the critics so far? It's been a blessing, you know, to be able to portray a group that is so, you know, heavily embedded in the culture and is the culture and have people respond well to it. Um, it, it's an it's an absolute blessing and an honor to be portraying such an iconic figure in uh, hip hop for sure. Before season one, there was Wu Tang of Mice and Men. Do you think the success of of that documentary kind of paved the way for the series on FX? Yeah, I think um, RZA is is known as the Abbot, and I think that there was a, a great kind of plan that was put into motion to have you know of Mice and Men. Uh, be released and and people be kind of start to get hip to some of the stories of, of the origins of the group and the people um and then to have the show come out you know pretty soon after i think it just kind of went hand in hand um but i think that this is a story that audiences have been excited about you know since the beginning because they are such a you know their fan base is crazy and, and worldwide we all know that you play ghostface but did you audition for anyone else other than ghostface um, I did. I originally went in for Bobby. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, pretty soon after that audition, I got called in for Dennis. And then, you know, then mm -hmm. the rest was kind of history. Did any of your past roles like help like better prepare you to portray Ghostface? I wouldn't say any of the past roles. I would say that my my overall journey through acting ha has helped me prepare because I've I've studied the craft of acting for about I want to say since I was in middle school, that's when I really started taking it seriously. Um, but I did a lot of school plays and I've, you know, trained in everything from contemporary, you know, August Wilson and, and, and Lorraine Hansberry to Shakespeare to Greek theater. Um, and I've trained, studied everything from, you know, voice and speech to different movement techniques. So I think all of that, my entire training kind of helped me prepared to play um, such a layered character, you know, because Dennis and, and Ghost is, is such a layered character and requires a lot of different um, styles and, and, and techniques and, and energies in order to play this, this very complex character. Can you talk about the process that you went through, like getting into the essence of playing Ghostface? 
I really started with Dennis and who Dennis was before I tried to understand Ghostface. And mm -hmm. so that's that started with, you know, looking at interviews and finding out that like one of his, you know, favorite MCs growing up was like Slick Rick, which was also one of my favorite MCs because of his ability to his storytelling abilities on a track. Um, I think, you know, knowing that he was into comic books growing up and reading comic books and 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 he, listening to songs like, you know, All That I Got Is You off of Iron Man and, and really just hearing kind of like all the, the backstory of, of, of his particular story all contributed to me creating the character for season one, which was the building blocks to eventually become Ghostface Killer in season two. What's the difference between Dennis and Ghostface Killers? Because to me, I mean, obviously is the same person, but but when you look at the essence of the um, of Dennis and the essence of Ghostface, it's really two different people. I would actually disagree a little bit with that. I would say that the essence of who Dennis is is the groundwork for Ghostface Killer. I think that the essence mm -hmm. of who he is and you know what you see in season one, which you know some of it is is historical fiction. You know some of it is for the purpose of the story, and some of it is based on real true events. But all of these kind of establish who he is and how he moves and how he relates to the people that are important to him and people that are important to him in general and family and loyalty and all of that. So I think that that essence remains the same. But I think that there's a certain um, there's something that comes with the rise of being you know at the the time of the birth of hip hop and becoming one of the the biggest groups and you know of, of MCs and and that that is just kind of a natural progression of of where he was as Dennis to where he eventually becomes as Ghostface but i think that there you know it's different because of the circumstances that he has to deal with but the essence of who he mm -hmm. is and how he goes about handling his business kind of remains the same it just it just develops and, and progresses as different things, um, different priorities come to the forefront of his life. Did you shadow the real life Ghostface while you were prepping yourself for this role? So season one, I didn't I didn't meet Ghost until about episode three. Um, so I really kind of relied on the script and what I was, you know, what what was given in the script and the story, and also you know watching a lot of the you know old interviews from the early 90s i tried to get some of the earliest interviews that i could and then you know eventually when i did speak to him we spoke more about life you know in general and i just kind of like sat and tried to take in as much of who he was and mm -hmm. and, and his little you know mannerisms and stuff like that and um, the way that he talked about things, his perspective from which he was speaking from, I think was was the the things that I took and kind of ran with, uh, as opposed to trying to you know spend as much time you know because he's busy. He's still got a you know very successful music career and is doing performances and you know so I didn't really have a chance to kind of call him all the time and speak to him all the time, but I really had to kind of tap into what I had going on, excuse me, and also trust that there's a reason why I was chosen to play this character by, you know, RZA. So that was my process. What was that first interaction with Ghost when you when you first met him um, face to face? It was dope. You know, like I remember we were, we were at a dinner uh, for one of the cast, my, one of my castmates birthdays and um, he pulled up. But before he had pulled up, there was uh, this guy who who was who was there and was like, you know, I, I don't want you to be, you know, don't don't ask him too many questions and don't kind of, you know, <laughs> sit over here and, and kind of try to create this distance. But 
I think at that point he didn't really realize he didn't know who I was, um, obviously, but I, that's not me either. You know, I don't I don't come in and, and start bombarding people with questions and energy. I'm very um, observant and, and, and I like to kind of peep things out before I, you know, make my next move. And so when we met, that's just kind of the energy that it was. It was very calm. It was very natural. You know, I didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm meeting Ghostface Killer. Like I felt like I'm meeting, you know, Dennis Coles and 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 I'm playing Dennis Coles. And so it was an honor to meet him, you know, the, the utmost respect. And then, you know, from there I asked him maybe one or two questions about his life. And then the rest of it was just on some real chill shit, you know, like just on some you know, chopping it up as two, you know, men, not not really, you know, a fan to this or like, you know, I just wanted to kind of keep everything real calm. And I think we related on that because that that, you know, but I remember the first one of the first things he said was like, yeah, don't have him. Don't have him make me don't make me look corny. You know, I, I shouldn't be doing no corny shit. You know, that was the first thing he said. So from there, I kind of got a, a glimpse into, you know, that whole thing. And he was like, we was we was you know, taking niggas chains and we was doing, we was really about that, you know? So that kind of fire that I felt from that very quick encounter I had with him, I knew that I was kind of on the right track because that's that's what I was, had already kind of established as the character and, and from what I heard from RZA and from, you know, the different directors that we worked with, I was really trying to capture that fire and that, that passion that he has and everything that he does, so. Was that one of your favorite moments from filming season one? meeting ghosts or did you have some meeting ghosts or did you have like another favorite moment from behind the scenes from um, season one yeah i mean that definitely that definitely was a moment for me you know like it was just a, it was just a really dope moment to finally meet the person that i was playing and then but i think one of the dopest moments also was you know during the premiere i had pulled up because him and him and raekwon were performing at this um at this club that wasn't too far from where we had our premiere. So I pulled up and, you know, I texted him like, yo fam, I'm, you know, I'm outside, I'm trying to get in. And he was like, oh, word family, I'm sending somebody to get you right now, you know? So how quick he was to just kind of bring me in and they were performing on stage and I was in the front of the stage like, yo, and then they pulled me up onto the stage. You know what I'm saying? Like shit like that really made me realize that, you know, it, it, that brotherhood that, you know, is written into the script, that's written into the story and that people talk about is a real life thing. And now I am a part of the Wu family. So that that is that was just a really, a really big moment for me and, and, and kind of just set everything in the stone. So, you know, because I am a part of that family, I can now trust myself, trust what I'm doing and trust and believe that if I was doing something wrong or something that wasn't valid to what was going on, that they would tell me. So kind of having that trust within what's going on allows me to really just do the work that I'm I'm supposed to do. Did you get to perform one of his songs when he um pulled you up on stage? Or was it just you just I was just I was chilling. I was there, I was chilling, I was hype, I was rapping, you know, mm -hmm. lyrics along with them, but I wasn't necessarily performing. Just cause, you know, mm -hmm. we, we do I do that for the camera. And um off mm -hmm. screen, I'm not Ghostface, I'm not Dennis, I'm Sadiq mm -hmm. Anderson. So, you know, I I, mm -hmm. I got my own you know, style and, and stuff that I like. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not, I think that that opportunity would be really dope. And we have done that, you know, for the the kind of wrap of, of season two, we, were, we all performed our verse from Protect Your Neck for a crowd. And that's really dope, you know what I'm saying? To kind of step into that, but that's not necessarily my thing. And I'm always aware of what's my thing and what's not my thing. Um, but we do do a lot of performing 
of you know the the verses and and, and certain songs from 36 chambers in this next season so i'm really excited for audiences to see how we put that together whether it's season one or this upcoming season did you find any scenes that was like difficult or hard for you to film i would say in season one the scene where my mom was you know passed out in the bathtub and all of that that stuff happened was 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 really hard because i have a really close relationship with my mom in my life and so I, I use a lot of that relationship in order to do that performance justice um so that was just hard just because of how you know deep i had to go and then as far as season two the difficulty i think for me was really trying to get the right cadence and the right you know vocal patterns for when he's rapping because i really wanted for the actual verses that exist you know uh, from 36 the songs from 36 chambers that we do in the second season i wanted to make sure my voice sounded exactly you know as close as possible to you know what it, what his sounded like so it took a lot of you know recording and re-recording and even when they would be like yo you know we done we got it we got it i'll be like no 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 i gotta go back i didn't say that word right or i didn't say this word right um and they would let me go back and then eventually you know i think i think i did i did what i needed to do for those those verses so i'm excited for the audiences to see and hear that as well rizza he had a big part of the show when it came to the writing what was it like working with him and the rest of the writers you know it was dope you know because and especially in the first, because he was really there in the first couple episodes when we was establishing, you know, especially in season one. Um, and kind of getting his signature of approval was everything that I needed, you know. I think, uh, of course, like a as an artist, there's always going to be this, not necessarily insecurity, but, you know, this like, I'm very critical of myself and I'm always like, what can I do to, 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 to be better, to do better? Like, how can I serve the story more? How can I serve the character more? Is this on the money? So those times when he was around and he would just be like, nah, that was it, you know, or like y'all really in the, 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 the chamber or the, you know, and he would just kind of come in and, and give that nod of approval. That's when I knew I was, you know, I was on it. And, and, and that's, that's to me is, you know, hit, Ghost's signature and, and Riz's signature are the ones that are the most important to me. Of course, I want the fans to like it, but, you know, if some people say, oh, it wasn't like that, or, oh, I know this, and, you know, because the Wu fans are, you know, they, they crazy. They really love Wu-Tang, so some people swear that they know even more than the actual members know, you know, kind of thing with, with how hard they study it, so... To have that that approval from RZA and to be, you know, like, let me know if I can do anything better. And he's like, nah, you got it. I just trusted that. Yeah. So that 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 to me brought this level of freedom and also obviously this depth. Like he's very, very wise and and was very, you know, would always kind of pass on to us like a story or or a word just about, you know, things that he's gathered throughout his life and throughout his journey that were always very helpful just in my life and then would also show up on screen from time to time. For any group, chemistry is very important. Like, can you talk about the chemistry that you had with the other castmates in in the show? Yeah, I mean, we all are very different, um, but we all have moments where we come together, and it, and it's the power that that we feel, the energy that we feel is unlike anything other. You know, um, especially in season mm -hmm. two. You know, we've had. Like, you know, like any cast, you have your ups and your downs and your times where, you know, everybody's kind of on the same rhythm and or flow. And then sometimes it's not like that, but there is a level to which when we all come together, when we have, you know, we have scenes in the recording studio, we have scenes in the season where we performing on stage and stuff like that. Like that energy of coming together is, is, is unmatched, 
you know, and it's unlike anything other. And I mean, the real Wu-Tang had their own ups and downs and, you know, certain people were closer with other people and that, that kind of existed on set as well. But again, like I said, like all of that, it, it, it doesn't matter what's going on. Cause once the cameras start rolling and once we all on stage and we perform these, you know, songs together, or we in the studio, that energy is real, is really real and it's raw and it's authentic. So I'm excited for the audiences to catch that too. In real life, Ghostface and Ray, they had the best, you know, chemistry out of any two uh, members of the Wu. In season two, can we expect the chemistry between you guys to develop further? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, we start off where we start, we, we, we start off where we ended in from the first season, but I think audiences is really gonna, you know, see kind of the evolution of Ghost and Ray to the Ghost and Ray that they know today. Um, and we start definitely going in that direction as far as our, our friendship, as far as, you know, the brotherly bond that we have and, and, and just kind of riffing off each other. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for the audiences to catch that. Ghost, he has a unique rapping voice, you know, for me, for me, I always call him the East Coast version of Easy e you know, okay. in season, in season one, the high pitch rap wasn't really there yet, but can we kind of, but can we see like the evolution of the high pitch sound in season two? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think that, yeah, again, for me, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I freestyle with my friends and stuff from time to time, but I, I wouldn't identify myself as a rapper. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the first season was about kind of, especially because they weren't, <clears throat> there was no like reference for me. There wasn't like for the, the, the track that I did in season one, that's a track that, you know, they wrote for the show. So it wasn't like I could reference sounds and, you know, but this season, um, definitely look out for, you know, protect your neck, I would say. And, and there, we do a couple other songs and a couple other joints that are actual songs that I had a reference for, like reference to. And um, I really work to get that high pitch, that 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 very, you know, that higher mm -hmm. timbre of, of, of his voice. And I think I think I was pretty successful at it. Did you have a hard time portraying the rapping side of things or um or did that just come with, you know, practice and experience? I didn't really have a hard time rapping because again, like I grew up in Brooklyn. So I grew up listening to a lot of rap. You know, I could spit, you know, children's story from Slick Rick with no problem or Friend of Foe by Jay-Z. So I've, I've always kind of grown up rapping to these, these types of tracks. But again, Ghostface has such a iconic and particular sound that he has when he raps that also just doesn't naturally lend itself to my voice. My voice is very deep. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of exists on a lower register, but when he raps, he raps very high, like in a higher pitch. So I really, you know, as far as replicating these, um, the verses in this season, I really just, you know, worked. I used some of my vocal warmups that I had learned in my, you know, acting training in college and just tried to get as close as possible. So that took a little bit of work, but as far as getting like the flow and stuff, that was that was pretty easy for me to get. There's two sides to the show. There's the music side, and then there's the crime element to the show. Like, what side do you um, what side do you think resonates more with the audience? I think the music. I think the you know that's what the sh that's what separates our show from 
you know, something like The Wire or, you know, whatever. Like, it's, that is very much a part of their story and what they had to do in order to, to kind of make, they had to hustle, you know, in order to get out of their circumstances. They had to hustle in order to pay for studio time and shit like that. So it is a part of the story. But again, what separates our show from all those other shows, you know, is that this is a music, you know, group, like a, a, a group of superstars, you know, that, that are, known internationally and worldwide so that i think is what audiences really are really want and um they definitely gonna get it for season two young ghost he clearly has the talent with rapping but his real life situation at home the economics is making it like really hard for him to explore rap as a solution to right. get out of the hood like he talk about like how so many people in real life face this same problem yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. I'm not I'm not necessarily from the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't grow up in that. You know, I grew I, I did have a, you know, working class family or whatever. So I can speak. I can only resonate with it as much as I resonate with it from my perspective. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do know that, you know, no matter what kind of tax bracket you exist in, if you're a black man in America, there's certain things that come with that. So I wanted to really honor that within the story. Um, which is why I do feel like, you know, although there is some drugs and some violence, that this is not a stereotypical story because it doesn't just end there. You know, it's about a bunch of men who existed in these um, these this world that, that has so many things pinned against them that were honestly able to come together as brothers and then overcome what the stereotype was, you know, which is you either going to be dead or you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. And, and they were able to become, you know, one of the the most iconic music groups in history. So that to me, you know, in itself is is so powerful. I think that this is a story about hope. I think this is a story about, you know, hustling and, and keeping that hope alive until you get to your next, you know, your next spot and, and, and really building um, with other people in order to get to where you, you know, imagine in your mind. And I think that that's something that I'm really proud to be a part of, again, as a black man or just being black in America in general, like being a, being a part of a story that gives people hope, that shows people that you can come from this, you know, you can come from some really, you know, fucked up situations and then rise to the top, I think is, is really powerful. Um, so that's what I got to say about that. The five percenters, they're also a big part of of Wu-Tang in the show? Like, if it wasn't for the nation of gods and earth, like, do you think we would know Wu-Tang as we know them today? I don't think so necessarily, because, you know, like you said, like the five percenters and, and, and the mathematics and them kind of learning, having all of that knowledge, knowledge itself and, and stuff like that, which again, for me, that, that's kind of a hard question because I didn't really dive too much into that because that wasn't really for my character in particular, you mm -hmm. know, um, that was really with Bobby and, and, and is the genius and stuff like that so but i do think to answer your question about life i, I think that that definitely introduced and, and and got people members of the group kind of on a on the right track you know and on a track of realizing their power like within themselves to achieve the things that they have always wanted to achieve i think that that's really powerful so the karate flicks they also played a big part of the wu-tang sound like do you think that the karate made their music stand out? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even speak to, you know, some of my family members, my pops, you know, like I was talking to him about, you know, what he thought of Wu-Tang when they first came on. And he was like, yeah, I wasn't really listening to them, you know, necessarily, but 
but I, I do remember listening to certain tracks and hearing some of the kung fu flicks and being like, yo, what's that? Like, that's a very particular type of sound, you know what I'm saying? And, and kind of respecting that they were outside of the mold of what hip hop was kind of forming to be at that time. They was they was trying to take their own lane and have their own path. And and I think that that's really dope. And, and that's what created such, again, an iconic sound and a sound that people all over the world can relate to. You know, people, they got fans in Japan and, fan, you know, fans in the UK and fan, fans everywhere. But I think that the, the kind of introducing all these different aspects that weren't just you know, growing up in the streets of Staten Island and, and, and keeping it only kind of in that realm, the fact that they were able to introduce all these other elements and Kung Fu being one of them, um, I think is what gained them so much success. Their first album is a classic um, and it kind of set the tone for what their future projects would sound like. Can you talk about like how important the 36 Chambers was in hip hop history? It was unlike any other sound that had, had come out of hip hop you know, at that time. And then also on top of that, like you have this group of, of nine dudes who are all very different, you know, and, and all and kind of are competing with each other on a track, you know, like it wasn't like a group of three or, you know, a group of four and Ghost spoke about this recently on the verses with Raekwon. He was like, it wasn't like, you know, you would have six people, you know, saying saying no and three people saying yes, and you kind of had to figure out how to make it work. And then, you know, obviously like RZA picking like, okay, you gonna, you, the order of people within the songs, you know, I think this is really powerful and was never heard or or songs that didn't necessarily have like a chorus or, you know, or a hook or, you know, something, but it was, it was just, it was just designed differently because it was all these different men, you know, these different artists, you know, rapping on the same track and kind of taking their own personal perspective and, and putting it into the confines of this particular sound. So season one, it heavily featured, you know, some of the early studio sessions for 36 Chambers because of the behind the scenes. Do you feel that 36 Chambers has a deeper appreciation when we look back at how it came together? Yeah, I mean, I, I think anything that somebody can tap into and see kind of the building blocks of it, you're going to get a deeper appreciation of it, which is why I'm excited for audiences to see season two, because we go even deeper, you know, and you catch, you know, us writing our verses and, and seeing how some of the verses were inspired or even some of the samples, you know, or, or some of the skits, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have we have scenes that are pretty much that turn into the skits on 36 Chambers in season two. So I think for the audiences that really know that album, um, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get a real treat in watching season two because there's a lot of references that it's like, if you know, you know, and it, and it just kind of deepens that love for this very, you know, classic album, this masterpiece of, of work. What was it like recreating these studio sessions? It was dope, man. It was, it was you know, because on top of, you know, being in the studio, obviously there's different scenes with different characters within the show that aren't in the group. So bringing that kind of energy into the studio and the way that it was written, you know, there's there's different magic that was just happening. You know, the, the, the smoking and the drinking and, the, you know, just kind of setting the tone for what that the studio felt like, you know, having the, the people who were kind of extras that played, you know, the sound engineer and kind of fucking around with them and messing with them and just bringing all of this energy into this space because they, you know, they, the sets and stuff were crazy um, for season two. So it, it was, it was, it was really, really dope to get into the music. And also, you know, something that I'm excited is 
for the audience to see how imaginative this season is because, you know, we kind of really, we pick back up where we left off with season one, where we introduced, you know, animation and, and the video game and, and different kind of dreamlike settings and stuff like that. There's a lot more of that in season two. And I think that that's another thing that sets our show apart from, you know, a regular, you know, biopic or, or, or another show about drugs and stuff like that. Like our show just got a lot of mm -hmm. imagination attached to it. And so does Wu-Tang as a group. So. You know, Wu-Tang as a group, they had like so many classic albums. Like, do you have a favorite that stands out to you the most? Um, well, together as a group, I would say 36 Chambers is my favorite album just because it was the first one. It was so raw. You know what I'm saying? And again, also like my attachment to my 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 appreciation for the group as a whole really did start with being on this show. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, I knew certain songs of theirs from before, from just growing up in New York, but I really started to listen to more of their albums and stuff when I started working on the show. So to do a season that's about 36 Chambers and to really re-listen to it and really dive deeper into the story, that's what I would say is my favorite album. And then as far as my favorite album, with Ghost, I think Iron Man would probably be my favorite, you know, mm -hmm. for his too, because that also had a very, that had a lot of heart within that. I mean, all his work has a lot of heart within it, but there's just certain tracks on there that I feel like, you know, you really hear Dennis, you know, you hear Ghostface Killer, but you also hear the, the story of Dennis, which again is what I am currently doing. And so that's why I would be drawn to it. We're definitely about to get into um, some of Ghostface solo albums. But the one Wu-Tang album that I want to hear so bad is Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. That's mm. the joint that that's the joint that they sold for like a million bucks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that joint. But I think an album like that will only add to their mystique as a group. Yeah. Long, long after we're gone. Yeah, absolutely. So where would you rank like Wu-Tang among rap groups, like in the history? <laughs> You trying to set me up, bro? <laughs> you trying to set me up? Now, nah, I mean, nah. I will. I will put um. You don't gotta give me like an exact number, like top five, top three, top ten. Personally, I will go with top five. Um, I think you know they they definitely top five, maybe maybe probably even top three. Um, but you know they are. I do have some other groups again that I just grew up listening to a little bit more. You know, like Tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, Dig Digital Planets, um, those those are some groups, you know, that I also am drawn to. I don't, but I, I'm also not really big on, on, you know, favorites or, you know, what's my top this or my top that, because I feel like as I evolve, so does my taste. So there may be some things that I was really drawn to back in the day and, and there's some and, and versus now, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm always changing. So my top and shit would change from time to time. But go, I mean, uh, Wu-Tang is definitely up there just because they had a sound that was like no other. And also to have that many MCs be that strong and really hold their own on a track is like, that shit is crazy. All right, so like kind of going back to Ghostface and his solo albums, you know, Iron Man was his debut album. Like he talk about the impact that that album had on um, history. Yeah, I mean, I think this was, like you said, it was his first solo album, so it was the fans and stuff was hyped to hear what his perspective was, you know, or, or an album that was, you know, rooted within his story. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, he just got mad hits on there. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
For real. Do you have a favorite track from that album? Because, you know, like you just said, it's so many hits. But to me, like, All I Got Is You is one of those songs that has stood the... Um, that's good. The test of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one that I was gonna say too. Um, just because again, like also for me playing him, that particular song is is one of them that I could really pull, you know, imagery from and inspiration from from when I'm doing some of the scenes when I'm with my brothers, or I'm in the house with my mom, so you know, I'm in mm-hmm. Stapleton and 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 it's really helpful for me as an actor, you know to portraying him to listen to something like that. Also, like that's that song just got a lot of heart you know, within it and, and, and really you hear the struggles and stuff that he went through growing up and how that, but also you hear how much love that he has for that struggle and, and, and honoring that, that really got him to this next point within his life, you know, which I think is really, I think that's really dope. So. I like the soul and the black exploitation era samples that yeah. they use and the 5% of references that was used in, in the album, like if it wasn't for that, like if it wasn't for that, I don't think the album would have hit as hard as it did. Yeah. No, I agree. And I mean, that was the stuff that he was, you know, raised on too. So I think that like that, those sounds and and it, it just brings, again, it brings more heart and soul into it. And I remember him saying that too. He was like, that's what he liked listening to growing up. It wasn't even necessarily like the other, like, rap and hip-hop and like music of the time it was really that like that older era you know the two-step era the, the era of the you know the records on the record player from moms and pops or whatever and 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 how that soul that existed within those lyrics and that music and that sound that's the same mm-hmm. type of soul that he put into the you know his albums which was just a different type of sound because hip-hop you know it is it, just its own thing so i think that that's also what makes him you know one of the top artists of all times is because he was able to take this sound and this soul and this way of telling a story from one genre of music and kind of put it into another genre that was quite different so supreme clientele is another classic ghost album like where would you rank this one among ghost albums I mean, I would put it right after Iron Man, to be honest. I like Iron Man, too, because I'm just more of like a right now. And again, that, that might be subject to change, you know, as the mm-hmm. show continues more, or as I, you know, continue to go deeper and deeper into his music and his catalog. Because I, I wouldn't say that I'm, a, you know, I'm not an expert on his catalog and his music. You know, that's not especially the oldest stuff. Again, that's not really a part of my process because we haven't reached there in the story outside, you know, behind the scenes am i listening to it absolutely but am i an expert in the way that you know all the fans are not necessarily um that being said yeah i would rank you know supreme clientele after just because he he got a little bit of different um perspective in that album after some of the things that he went through in life and you know taking trips to different places and gaining different perspectives about the world you hear that in some of the lyrics you know in, in supreme clientele that you don't really hear in in iron man so that's what that is you know, Ghostface, he he reinvented himself in the mid 2000s with Fish Scale. Like he talked about how important it is to reinvent yourself, whether if it's in acting or rap. Yeah, I mean, I think that something that I learned when I was in college, um, I was taking a psychology course, is the fact that we are referred to as human beings and being, you know, if you're a person, that's a noun, right, in, in, in the English language. But being is a verb. So 
to be. You know what I'm saying? It's active, meaning that we are ever growing and ever changing and evolving from second to second. Like I'm not the same person that I was at the beginning of this interview. You know, like I am and my essence is still the same, but there's always that kind of continuous growth that's happening. So I think that reinvention is always important because if you're not growing then like, what are you doing? You know, like then you're stagnant and you're stuck. And that's not the point of life. If we're called human beings and being is a verb, that means we should always be, you know, evolving and changing and also keeping people around us that, excuse me, that will accept who we are from day to day. So if I decide I want to, you know, be a little bit different or I'm interested in different things, like it's important that your foundation accepts that and also celebrates that. Because if you can't change and the people, you know, people want you to be this one particular, you know, type of person or they refer to you, you know, in ways that maybe you would have behaved 10 years ago, but they still referring to you now, it might be time to drop them. You know what I'm saying? It might be time to find a new, new people to keep around you. That's going to go with the flow, go with your flow as you will with theirs. The nineties is probably like the greatest era in rap. Like, why do you think this time period is so fondly looked at, you know, 20, 30 years later? I mean, it's the birth. It was the, it was the birth of the, you know, birth of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like right on the cusp, you know, that's when, that's when hip hop really started to pick up, you know, speed and, and the culture and the way that, you know, people between the way, you know, rapping and graffiti and the way people was dressing and everything, you know what I'm saying? So I think that is the source. So you always got to respect and honor the source, especially of a particular sound of music, you know, and especially in New York, it was it was invented here in the Boogie Down Bronx. So you always you can never that's I don't think that's ever going to go out of style, just like, you know, certain there's other, you know, types of genres of music or musicians that will never go out of style, like a Stevie Wonder or, or, or a Michael Jackson or Whitney Houston. Like when you kind of are the, when you pave the way, there's always respect and honor and you, that you got to kind of give due to those people that paved the way in order for these other sounds to kind of pop up. And Ghost, he's also an icon when it comes to 90s fashion. You know, Clarks was around back then. Absolutely. And before Ghost started to wear them. He basically put them on the map. Like he talked about his influence in the fashion world. Yeah, I mean, season one, I wore nothing but wallabies. <laughs> so, you know, and then season two, you know, I got the blue and cream joints. There's a part in the show that, you know, we we tap on that and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, like at that time, his style and, and hip hop style in general, the culture of, you know, because hip hop is all encompassing. You know, you got rap, you got the music. But it's also about the culture, the dance styles and, 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 and DJing and, and breakdancing and, you know, fashion is one of them. So, of course, you know, if you if you one of the most iconic figures within this cultural phenomenon that is hip hop, people going to be watching your style and your swagger. And that all kind of contributes because you hear, you know, them rap about it in the music or you watch a music video and you see, oh, this is what he's wearing, you know, and people hold him to a certain esteem. So they're going to want to start wearing it, too. So. Yeah, Ghost was very, very influential to the culture just in general, not just to music culture, but to culture in mm -hmm. general. So, you know, in the show, I noticed you guys was wearing a lot of Tommy Hill polo. Um, can you talk about the importance that those two brands had on 90s culture? Um, yeah, I mean, those were just two of the biggest brands because of hip hop. You know, there was a part of the hip hop culture, mm -hmm. you know, and they also paved the way for some of the 
you know, later brands to get popping, you know, through hip hop, like Sean John and Rockaware and stuff like that was more of my time. Like when I was growing up, that's what I was wearing. Um, you know, Sean John and Rockaware and, you know, G Unit had their own, you know, clothing company and, and for the fat farm and baby fat for the women and stuff like that. So hip hop will always be, you know, influencing society. And especially within the fashion world, like a lot of people look to these hip hop stars to see what's the next kind of thing, you know, to pull, especially a lot of these big, you know, fashion brands and fashion houses will always look to the source. And a lot of the times within culture, the source is, you know, black people, like period. That's just, you know, we are the source of a lot of what the culture is and style and music and everything. So. All right, man. So before we go, um, I want to play a game with you. It's called Start Bench Cut. So I'll just like um, list you three things and you just tell me start it, bench it or cut it. Okay. All right. All right. So we're going to start with some music first. Start Bench Cut. We have Wu-Tang, A Tribe Called Quest, The Locks. Oh, man. Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's, the next crazy. one's harder. Huh? The next one, the next one, the next one is harder. So I was just giving you some light. Ah, this ain't light though. Um. <laughs> so what does the start and the bench mean? And like, what what does that mean? All right. So if you're starting somebody, I mean, if you're starting something, they're basically in your starting lineup. Benching, mm -hmm. you can just bring them off the bench if you want to, and cut them. You just cut them from the team. This is hard. Like. <laughs> Cause all three of them have importance, you know, to my life for different reasons. So it's hard for me to cut one of them. So I'm gonna say start with Tribe, just cause again, like that was a group that I was really listening to and really into before Wu-Tang. I'm gonna have mm -hmm. to bench Wu-Tang cause I can't cut them. You know, they are a major part of my life and my story. And I guess I'm gonna have to cut the locks, but I'm really, I'm really gonna put them on the bench too. <laughs> so I'm not cutting nobody, but um, go ahead, the next one. All right, so I'm gonna do the really hard one for last. The next one is fashion. We got Star Bench Cut, Tommy Hilfiger, Polo, Tim's. I'm gonna start with Polo because Polo, you know, low is never gonna go out of style. I, every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, you know, my mom get me and my brothers the with the Polo Bear, and you know what I'm saying? Like that's just it, it will never not be tripped. Um, especially to somebody from New York, and I grew up, you know, so it's a, yeah. it's never gonna go away. So lowest start, I'm gonna have to bench the Tims because while I'm from, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, and I always, you know, in the winter time, I'm gonna have a pair of Tims. I'm not the guy that wears Tims in the summer. That's just not my mo. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll cut um, I'll cut Tommy. I never, you know, I, I Tommy was like more of a thing a little bit before I was born, but it's fly, but it ain't it ain't right. as fly as as Polo or Tims for me. All right, and the next one is hard, man. I'm telling you, this this shit is OD hard. Okay. So this one's music. We got Star Bench Cut. We got the Purple Tape, Iron Man, Illmatic. I feel like you trying to set me up, bro. Because <laughs> people gonna listen to this, they gonna start talking shit like, yo, da da da. I'm gonna have to start with Iron Man. I'm gonna have to bench Illmatic, and I'm gonna have to um cut the Purple Tape. All right, man. You can like with those three, you can't go wrong with any of them. So, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> can we expect to see you know Big and Nas 
in um, the Wu-Tang series down the line because I know those two, they were kind of um, a big part of Wu-Tang in the 90s. Bro, I'm gonna tell you like this. I get the I get the scripts when I get them, so I know. I only I only know about season two. I can't really tell you what we got in store. You know, um, you know, hopefully audiences and stuff. Everybody run it up, and we get except you know, uh, we get a, a third season and and possibly a fourth. But um, up until then, I I can only tell you that I'm excited about what the audiences will see for season two, which is a lot of 36 chambers and and a lot more character development. All right, man. I want to thank you for joining me today. I really had fun with this conversation. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? So not that I'm working on, but, you know, you can catch me as Mercutio and our hashtag J, which is a, a new um, um, telling of Romeo and Juliet um, that we went to Sundance Film Festival when we were at South by Southwest. Hopefully we'll find a home soon, but be on the lookout for that, you know, in the upcoming time. So. All right, man. Thanks again, bro. All right. Bye bye.